How is everybody this morning? Huh? Have a fun week? Yeah? I want to thank you guys all for being here. And you know, it's a great time that we can come before our Lord and King and we can sing to him and we can open up the word and, and peer into truth. And you know, we can see the, the whole story of God. We can see that, you know, God is eternal, that God remains. And then we can see all that he has created. You know, we can see that he has created time and history and he has made us in his image. And then we see the fall. We see that sin came into creation because of our choice. But then God promised a Messiah. That someone would come and fix the problem. Someone would come and crush the snake. The rest of the Old Testament brings us to the promises to Abraham, the exodus of Israel from Egypt, the judges, the kings, the prophets, the exile, and then the return of Israel to its land. You know, through this history, we see uh, promises and pictures. We've actually been looking at some of them through Isaiah lately in Sunday school of the promised one, of the Messiah, of who he would be and, and what he would do. You know, they awaited that day. They awaited the promised one of the Lord coming to bring redemption. Yeah, I, uh, when I was thinking about this earlier this week, thought, you know, culturally, Christmas, you know, maybe the results of an election or, you know, when a baby is coming, you know, our kind of expectations of an urge of wanting to have, have the birth happen, have those Christmases unwrapped underneath the tree. You know, there's a promise of gifts. And we want to open it. We want to see the, the cool Nerf gun or something we've been dreaming of, and yet we open it and it is something even greater than we think. You know, maybe it's something we totally didn't expect. You know, we are overwhelmed by the love and the gifts and the time together. And, you know, hey, it's the first weekend of November I can preach on Christmas, right? You know, so <laughs> you know that's a small picture of what is going on in first century Israel. Now, they are awaiting the promised one. They, that's the cultural heritage that they are in, reading these promises, knowing the law, being taught in it. They are in, t in anticipation of the promises of the Lord coming to them and the promised one being seen. So when they hear John the Baptist, when they hear of him, they, they flood out, they go and see him. And then when they see that John the Baptist points to Jesus as the lamb, they are ready and they are excited to see the promised one. Uh, let's, uh, let's open in a word of prayer. Oh, Father God, we uh, thank you for today. Thank you for everything that you have given us. You know, for all of the miracles in the pew, for everything that you've done in our lives, Lord, that you sustain us, that you have given us life, that we are made in your image, Lord, and that in, in Christ we are new creations, that we can believe upon him 
and be faultless before your throne in Christ alone. Lord, I just pray in this time as we open up your word that you would pierce us through, that you would ready us for life through another, another week. Lord, that you would sustain us and encourage us and equip us to go forward for what you have for us. Guide us and give us wisdom, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So today we'll, we'll see those following Jesus spend the day with Jesus. And in turn, they actually, they, they turn around and start telling others so they too can see and believe in the one who has come. So we see first off and, and, and foremost in this part of the Gospel of John that Jesus is God. You know, that's that's paramount in the in the prologue that Jesus is God and God come to earth to show himself so we can see him and come to him. Uh, please turn in your Bibles with me to the Gospel of John, uh, chapter one. And we'll be down in uh, verses thirty five to thirty nine. But we're, we're still with the person of John the Baptist here for a little bit more, and we see him and a few of his followers here in this scene. Let's see what happens, uh, starting in verse 35. Uh, the next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, Where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came, and they saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Now we come here in the text again to the next day. You know, John had told others, the, the Pharisees and, and the text itself, he, he told them what he had witnessed. And Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Lamb of God who has come to seek and save, who has come to bear the sins of all. So on this day, as, as he bears witness of who Jesus is, he's doing it in front of his own followers. Because as we've, as we've seen, John the Baptist is not about his own, you know, spiritual following, his own following. But he is there as a big old billboard pointing to Jesus. You know, he tells them, behold the Lamb of God. You know, this is his mission to point all of Israel to the Messiah. So these, these two disciples, these two learners of John, they follow after Jesus. You know, after, after hearing what John had said, they go after the Lord. So Jesus turns and sees them following him, and he asks them a question. What are you seeking? It's such a great question, right? You know, the Lord is full of great questions throughout, throughout the whole Bible. But it is, what are you looking for? You know, and they say, Rabbi, teacher, we, where are you staying? 
you know, thinking upon this is, you know, why, why do they ask that question? You know, well, where, where else can you see the most of someone other than their public life? It's their home, right? You go, you go into their home, you, you see the books on their bookshelf, maybe their choice of movies, and maybe even what kind of coffee they enjoy. But you see a lot of who they are. So Jesus tells them to come and see. So they go to where Jesus is staying and, and they saw. You know, they saw where he was staying. And, and you know, the Bible doesn't tell us, in fact, where, where Jesus is staying at this time. We, we don't know that from the text. But they stayed with him for the rest of the day because it was only about the 10th hour. And they were able to see the lamb. They saw him. So they followed him and they got to dwell with him and sit with Jesus and talk with him. You know, this is one of the amazing truth claims of Christianity. The eyewitness followers of Christ. You know, John the Apostle says it best in uh, 1 John chapter 1. If you want to turn over there in your Bibles with me. 1 John chapter 1. But he he gives this testimony in verses 1 through 3. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life with which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now that's the testimony of the early followers of Christ, that the everlasting God came into the world came into the world and they saw him, they heard him, they spoke with him, they ate with him, and they looked upon him with their own eyes. He was real and he is the word of life made manifest. Now they saw it. They saw him. And so they proclaim him. You know, just like us, as as we see him and sit with him and dwell with him we can see that he is the life made manifest that we would see him for who he is because he is the lamb of god he is the very son of god who has come to this world the apostle john has said it best in verse 14 of john chapter 1 He said, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. That's what John has seen. That's what the others have seen. So the gospel of John goes on and tells us what happens next in verses 40 through 42. It states this. And one of the two who heard John speak 
and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. After this, after this day, after this time that was spent with Jesus, one of the two who followed, who heard what John the Baptist said and stayed with Jesus, saw and dwelt with the Lamb of God. He took time to investigate the claims, which is something we can all do. We can all take time to invest, investigate the facts of the case, to seek the claims of Christianity and what they proclaim Jesus to be. You know, and the, the, the grand thing of it is that, you know, his messiahship, you know, about Christ and Christianity as a whole will stand, will stand the test of doubts and questions. Uh, please turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3, uh, verse 15, says this. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Now the first thing we hear and see in this verse is that we need to honor Christ as holy in our hearts, for he is holy. He is the set-apart God. And next, we are to be prepared. That is an ongoing thing because, you know, the truth is the world is full of people and people have different questions, right? And we all struggle. We all have, you know, things that need to be worked out. And then we see that the church must proclaim who the Messiah is of who he is and what he has done for mankind. And in this, we, we ready a defense. You know, we are to be able to give an answer for the hope that is within us. You know, this, this word right here is actually apologia, which isn't saying, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's actually to make a defense is what it means in the Greek. This is where we get apologetics. Apologetics is to make a defense, you know, and also it is to seek to destroy arguments and strongholds that stand against Christ. We are to take every thought captive unto Christ. So in this, Christ and Christianity should not be against questions and arguments and doubts, but in fact, we should show others their folly. We should take time to do that. And show all how Christ and Christianity is true and it is able to fulfill our deepest longings. Now, Charles Spurgeon says it like this. I, I found this quote this week and I thought, hey, you know, this is a good one for this subject. The word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let the lion loose and the lion will defend itself. You know, so we check we check the claims out. We deal with our questions. We deal with our doubts. 
And we see that the very word of God, the very son of God and Christianity as a whole holds water. You know, Andrew is, is one of the two that had checked out these claims. He spent time with Jesus. He goes to his brother. He goes to his brother Simon. And Andrew tells Simon this, we have found the Messiah. We have found the promised one. We have found the one that we have been waiting for. He is here. Now, these are all the promises that all of Israel had held to, that they had written down, that they had heard from the Lord and held to. You know, so when they found him, they were ecstatic to tell others. You know, Simon, or sorry, Andrew, we see is a spiritual spe- uh, seeker of the family. Uh, he is one that is right there. He heard about John the Baptist. He went out with all of Jerusalem and Judea. He went out and he heard John. He was most likely baptized by John because he was a follower of John. And then he heard about another. He heard about the Lamb of God. And he saw the man and he walked with him and he dwelt with him. And so he then takes his own brother to Jesus. And Jesus looks at Simon and tells him this he gives him a new name. You're now Cephas, which is Peter. Now, Andrew is a spiritual seeker who brought another to the Lord. He brought his own brother to the Lord. You know, we see uh, throughout the Gospels, Andrew and Peter are apostles. Uh, Peter and Andrew were both fishermen. And uh, they, um, well, Peter becomes a part of the inner circle of Jesus. And he totally saw who Jesus was as well. Now, the Gospel of John goes on to a, another pair uh, that we'll see later as well. Uh, in John 1, 43 through 51, uh, the apostle writes this next. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael. And said to him, We have found whom Moses in the law Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said, said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you when you are under you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And this ending part of chapter 1 of the Gospel of John, we see that Jesus is, is going to go to Galilee, and, or has gone to Galilee, and he finds a man named Philip and calls him to follow him. And we find out that Philip is from the city of Bethsaida. 
the same city where Peter and Andrew are from. And after being called by Jesus, Philip immediately goes and finds his friend Nathaniel. Oh, one thing that you'll notice is Nathaniel's no, nowhere in the other three Gospels. Uh, well, who is this guy? Well, Nathaniel um, is actually Bartholomew, uh, one of the uh, studiers, uh, one of the books <laughs> that talks about the apostles of the ordinary men that followed Jesus says this on Nathaniel. Uh, Philip's closest companion, Nathaniel, is listed as Bartholomew in all four lists of the twelve. In the Gospel of John, he is always called Nathaniel. Bartholomew is the Hebrew surname, is the son of Ptolemy. Ptolemy. Nathaniel means God is given. So he is Nathaniel, son of Ptolemy, or Nathaniel bar Ptolemy. So that's where we find him. So Philip tells his closest friend, they're always uh, paired together, just like Andrew and Peter and James and John, um, Bartholomew and Philip are paired together as well. And he tells them that we have found the promised one, the one they have looked for and see coming through Moses and the prophets, that this is Jesus, the son of Joseph. And right here, it's, it's a pointed promise of of who or of where Jesus would be from. He's from Galilee. You know, where he is from matters greatly. Oh, go ahead and turn your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter 9. But in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, the Lord tells us here where the light will come. Isaiah states this. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former times he brought into contempt the lands of Zerlim and into the lands of Nephi. But in the later time he has made glorious the way of the sea, beyond the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness on them the light has shone. Now, and then the next part of what Philip says to Nathaniel is that Jesus is the son of Joseph. You know, he's telling him, this is the promised one, this is the light, come. But he's also telling him, this is the king. The king from the line of David. Uh, Paul says this in his introduction in the book of Romans. Uh, Paul, a servant of God, of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in the power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name, among the nations. Now this is a promise in scripture that the promised one would be of kings, of King David's line. Philip is telling Nathaniel who Jesus is and where he comes from. This is the promised one. Well, Philip is telling this. Nathaniel responds with a question. Can anything good come from Nazareth? 
you know, this is a very small town. Nazareth was a very tiny town at the time. So it's not a, it's not a town where rulers come from, right? It's not on the up and up. Is there anything that can come from there? You know, Philip tells Nathaniel, come and see. Come and see this man. So they head off. It's the best way, right? You know, to fight a question. Hey, come see Jesus. You know, he'll, he'll figure it out. But come and see. So they head off. And as, as Nathaniel is coming to see Jesus, Jesus sees him. And he says this of Nathaniel, that he is a true Israelite of whom there is no deceit. And Nathaniel is one of these men that is like, this is how it is, and this is who I am, right? You know, he's a very, you know, cut and dry, I guess. <laughs> he says this, how do you know me? You know, how do you know me? He's most likely taken aback. When Jesus answers him this, before Philip found you, I saw you sitting under a fig tree. Jesus knows Nathaniel. He knows his person, his character, and he knows where he was seated, seated, yeah, sitting <laughs> in a pointed time of history. Now, Jesus right here is demonstrating his omniscience, which is a huge word for the fact that God knows everything and sees everything. He's showing that proof that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the promised one. He is the son of God. And from this, Nathaniel is even more blown away, right? You know, wouldn't we be? You know, see, having you know, Jesus, hey, yeah, you were sitting here doing this. Whoa, okay. <laughs> you know, Nathaniel says this next, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. You know, and we'll, you actually see a lot of those proclamations throughout the book of John. You know, Nathaniel came to see Jesus, and he saw him. He heard from him and realized who he was. And we can do the same thing. Now, Jesus says, you know, you believe because of this? He says, truly, truly, you will see heaven open. And Jesus says that there are greater things to come. You know, this is the first of many truly, truly sayings throughout the whole of the Gospel of John, and they, they really point to Jesus' divinity throughout the entire book. Well, excuse me. Now, today we see that those that have spent a day with Jesus turn around and start telling others by bringing them to see Jesus or um, by telling them to come and see. And what this means is that we can. You know, old people can come and see Jesus. They can stay with him and they can see who he is. They can see the truth of his messiahship, of his godhood, of his divinity. And they can see the fulfillment of the promises of the prophets. They can see all these things. And in that, people can turn from getting information about the Lord to being informers, informing others about him. Now, this is where we let our reasonableness be known. We can point to the promises and lead them to see him. 
So how, how can we apply this to today? Well, believers, followers, everyone, behold the Lamb. You know, just like John the Baptist has said for the last two weeks, right? You know, behold the Lamb. Spend time with Him. Be informed. But in this, in this grand thing about the information about Jesus is that it transforms us or should transform us, right? It'll let us not just be informed, but also transformed being here with the Lord. And then we turn around, right? We, we turn and we go tell our family and friends. We go out in our daily world, our town, our nation, out to the ends of the earth, and we tell others we have found him. We have found the promised one, the Messiah, the hope of all, and we can bring them to see and believe in him. Now that is the mission of the church. I think Bryce read my notes because we talked about this in Sunday school too. <laughs> but you know, this is the whole of the mission of the church. Now please turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Of Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. And Paul states this to the Philippian church. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And Paul tells the church to rejoice. You know, and he says it again. Again, I say rejoice. If you know anything about the book of Philippians, you know it's written in where? What? Prison. You can say it. Prison. <laughs> it's, it's written from prison. Yet it is probably the most hope-filled letter of the entire New Testament. This is where our hope is. It's in the Lord, not in our circumstances. And then he says, let your reasonableness be known. Because Christ is a noble God. He is the God who has come to show us himself. So we can see him and hear him and believe in him. Paul goes on stating that the Lord is at hand. No matter what's going on, live with the truth that his rule and reign is coming. Don't be anxious. Don't be full of worry. We need that one today, right? <laughs> or every day, right? Don't be anxious and worried about anything, but everything in prayer let everything be known to God. Let God guard you with his peace. Let your hearts and minds be full of his peace. Now, life is like a roller coaster, right? Who likes roller coasters? Oh, man, I hate roller coasters. <laughs> you know, it's got its ups and downs, its curves and its loops that spin you so fast you don't know which way is up or down, right? You know, the question that I keep on coming back to is, well, who do we trust then when life is going wee? <laughs> and maybe you're not going wee with it, right? You know, it's like when, when life is like that, who do we trust? 
know, the prophet Isaiah says it like this. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. You know, in life, seasons come and go. Bills come, sometimes they go away, but they'll come back. You know, taxes, same thing, they come and go. <laughs> they, all of life fades and withers, but the word of God remains. You know, this book is trustworthy. And if you doubt that, if you question that, then check it. Check the claims. Check the promises. And see that they will hold. And next, we see that right here by the scripture, we can see and believe. We can see who Jesus is. So take the time to dwell with him. To spend time with him. And then tell others. This is a great joy. We see it in, you know, it's a joy. It wasn't a, oh, do I tell my brother or not? It's like, no, man, we found him, right? <laughs> it's like, you know, Nathaniel, oh, Philip's sitting there. No, man, we, we found him. We found him. It should be a great joy, right? But Satan doesn't want us to have joy right there. The world and the flesh and the devil don't want us to have joy right there. Because, no, that, that would take people from his kingdom and put them in the kingdom of light. You're right here in front of us as the Messiah, the promised one, and we can dwell with him and be transformed by him and tell others. You know, it is quoted that Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. You know, in that source of illustration the bread is the only thing that they have that's that's it you know that person in need there is no choice no i'll take the steak instead it's like no it's bread it's bread or death you know the truth is is that that's our condition we are stuck and unable to bring ourselves up. No matter what other worldviews say, we are unable because of our fallen estate. But God, right? But God comes. He sends the Lamb. He sends His only unique Son to redeem us. You know, it's God's Messiah or death. That's the choice before all of humanity in any age. And we who see with see him, we who dwell with him, because he dwells in us through his Holy Spirit, we need to be informed and transformed by him and go and to speak and tell and say, come and see. Let's close in a, in a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for so many proofs that are before us. That you love us, Lord. That we bear your image. That 
we are fallen and broken, but that you have sent the promised one. You have sent the Messiah to save, to seek and to save the many. That in Christ we are new creation. And Lord, I just pray for anybody that's questioning or doubting the Lord that you would be right there with them and say, come now, let us reason together. As you are a God that is not afraid of questions, not afraid of doubts, but is very much there showing yourself to humanity so that they can come to you and be saved. Father God, I, I thank you so much uh, just for the first chapter of the book of John, Gospel of John, of the amazing things that it has shown us of the uniqueness of the Son of God and the fact that you have shown yourself to humanity, Lord. Help us uh, through this week to tell, to say, come and see. You know, in life's ups and downs and, and everything, that we would hold to you, Lord, that we would not be anxious, but that in everything, that our prayers would be lifted and that your peace would guide and guard our hearts and minds. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.